Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Dan, so glad we were able to meet today. Whoa, what's that? It's my new FlexiSpot E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Goes from sitting to standing with the push of a button. You know, I've been thinking about getting a desk like that. I have back pain from being in a chair all day. But I feel like they're either cheap and flimsy or crazy expensive. That's why I went with FlexiSpot. This desk is super sturdy but totally affordable. The base is made of automotive-grade carbon steel. Sit on it. Okay. Hey, this is cool. All right, I want in on one of these. Where do I find FlexiSpot? Just go to their website, FlexiSpot.com. Right now, FlexiSpot is offering huge Black Friday and Cyber Monday savings on the E7 Pro Plus standing desk with up to $160 off. Plus, use code 20OFF right now for an additional $20 off. Go to FlexiSpot.com today and use code 20OFF to get up to $180 off the E7 Pro Plus standing desk from November 25th to the 28th only. That's F-L-E-X-I-S-P-O-T.com. Go to FlexiSpot.com. Come today. That's what she said. Yeah. All right. So now the only thing I can't do is look at the stories while I talk about them. Well, there was two that were interesting and one I couldn't give two hoots about. I bet you can guess which one the one I couldn't care about was. Starts with trans remember. and then performers. Oh man, I love Ron Perlman. I like. There's oh, no I way. I love Rob Norman, but it doesn't doesn't make me any more interested nope. in the in the film. Unfortunately. So excited, so excited. But I heard he's gonna he he quit already. He's been replaced by David Harbor. Because <laughs> he was cheaper. <laughs> Done. He's out. <laughs> I think if they had made Hellboy three instead of uh, the Harbor Hellboy movie, it would have done much better. I think so, but weren't they weren't they worried about the budget that Del Toro wanted to to spend on number three? I mean, because the the first two were mildly successful, right? But they hardly you know they hardly broke any records and hardly made the studio heaps of cash. And so then they made one that no one cared about. No, well that's where that in in hindsight that that was an awful film. That third one, I actually, it really was dull from beginning to end. I, I can't even until imagine. you just said it. I didn't even forgot they made it. Yeah, I can't even imagine that calculus, right? And like how that looks after the fact. It's like, yeah, these these first two, they were they were okay, they were moderately successful. But here's what we do: let's reboot it. Like, okay, and it just, <laughs> just does not like zero success. We're just completely done. Like, I don't know. Who was the terrible. who was the 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 villain female? Was it Famke Janssen or have I just no? It was, it? It was um, no, Mila Jovovich. Mila Jovovich. That's it, yeah. 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 Mila Dallas. I knew it was something's happening here. Hang on. Yeah, I knew it was some uh, hot, hot ex model. Speaking of hot ex models, Jammer's here. There's the problem. Right. Nope, that's not the problem. Y'all, y'all tanned up from a California Where's vacation? That? Oh, switch your got, I on. think he's even got a Hawaiian shirt on still. Oh, he's in holiday <clears throat> shirt mode. Ah. Oh, wow. Look at you, Magnum PI. What's going on over there? Come on. Your you got this. Shirt. You got this. I don't think he can hear us. He's not talking. He's not reacting like he can hear us. 
Can you hear us? I'm not reacting because I can, I can hear you now, but oh, I just okay. needed to switch my headphones over. I see. All right. <laughs> uh, and you I need to grab that. Nice my mouse, my mouse is about to run out. Oh, it's nice too bad. I know. Now you've tuned in, we'll have to go back to your back. <laughs> Quick, now he's gone. You know, it just means that you love him, right? Love is a dagger. That's what I've heard. Love is a what? A dagger. Isn't that what Loki said? Love is a dagger? Don't remember. <laughs> uh, it was the train episode, that's why. Oh, that episode. The, the previous yeah. to the number three. Yeah, number three. It's fun. I guess we'll talk about it when we get to it. I thought this was better okay. than last week's, but that's also because I was kind of not watching it. Okay. I was driving. Yeah, I, I, I'm... <laughs> he's in the room and he's back in the room. You're back in the room. Oh, I thought you'd gone to undo one more button on your shirt, Jammer. <laughs> I can't. Oh, wait, hold on. Let's see. There you go. Now you look holiday mode. Oh, this sucks. I can't see both of you guys. Hold on. Hold on. Let's see. That, is, that does suck. Yeah, just pick the better looking one. Yeah, you're like, now we you're like find button. Out which button. I can't Get your see finger out of my anything. face. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, it goes your fat finger in my face. <laughs> yeah, don't fat shame his finger. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Let's see. Sorry, now you've got your, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, big boned finger in my face. That's better. I'm ready whenever you guys are ready. Give me one second. I need to send this email to my boss right quick. Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. It's like a reference that nobody knows because that's the forgotten Coen Brothers movie. I got to get it back. It's got my Jimmy hats, got a number, a bunch of numbers in there. I got to get it, got to get it. Wait, nobody knows that song? No, I mean, yeah, but the way I say it is, uh, is oh. from The Lady Killers. It's the old lady where she talks about how she hates hip hop music and she goes, left my <laughs> wallet in El Segundo. Is that the one with Tom Hanks? Was yeah, it is. Yeah. Is it good? I've never seen it. I like it, but it's a guilty pleasure. But I always, I always quote it. I always quote it when I want something like, I'll be like, come here. And I sometimes be like, come to the professor. It's that line where he's like climbing the tree for the cat. He's like, come here. I've never seen it. Come to the professor. So my wife and I, we were driving and listening to podcasts. And one of them was talking about guilty pleasures. Do you define guilty pleasures as being a movie that everyone else generally regards as shit that you like despite its flaws? Yes. Okay. That's how I describe it. Yeah, I saw a fandom. I, I think I describe it the same way, but I saw, you know, the, the website fandom, the Twitter account. Mm -hmm. yeah. They said, what are your guilty pleasures? And people were saying things like, um, oh, what was one? The Last Jedi. I don't know if I think Last Jedi has a guilty pleasure so much as it is divisive. No, I think I think everyone is just stupid who hates it. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna see if I can find this thread because mine was Pacific Rim, and then Nick hit me with something that I I guess I didn't pay attention to. Uh, anecdotally, people I know don't like that movie. But when I looked at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a, like high 70s, both from critics and audiences. So I, I did not know that. And I don't think that makes it a guilty pleasure anymore. Can uh, you repeat yeah, all that? Because I, didn't get, it. I, didn't, I didn't get any of it. Oh, you lost all of what I just said? You're cutting out for me. Is that just me? Yeah, it's just, just you, I think, Jam, because I heard 
I heard everything. Am I cutting out for you guys? Nope. No. Hang on. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up and call come back on. But the, keep that in mind, Jose. I want to hear what you have. he just cut out for you, Danny? Yeah, he said he was going to though, but he's he's gonna log back in because Zoom does that sometimes. If you well, I heard him I heard him say I wanna hear it and it ah. And it just stopped. Oh, yeah. oh well, yeah. It did cut it off right at the inopportune moment. I want to hear what you said. <laughs> there's some weird movies on here. Yeah, there's some that I. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think ultimately that's what it comes down to is that you shouldn't. Uh, you, you shouldn't feel guilty about liking any film. It's one of those right. situations. Just because you like it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's all um, objective, isn't it? So. But yeah, there's certainly films on that list. I remember seeing a few that were well above seventy percent, which means a lot of people liked them. So it's not really a, you're not that you're not an outlier for liking that film, uh, right? So yeah, I don't know. Is it, yeah, let's see. There's a film that Guy Pearce did, and I can't remember the bloody name of it now. But it was set up in space. It was basically oh, Escape from New York. Oh wait, 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 wait. Fuck. Can you remember? Uh, what I know called? that movie. I absolutely loved it. It's. I think it's probably I one too. of guy. I think it's my favorite Guy Pierce films. Strangely enough, because he's done some great like series. You're letting roles, me get I my ass kicked by a guy named Rupert. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. I've even got. I've even got the t-shirt he wears that says "Warning Offensive" because it's just. He's just. He plays this. Oh, great what is the name of that movie? I lo- I really like that movie because it's a it's a Luc Besson movie too, isn't it? Correct, yeah. The only, the only bit that lets it down, and it's a minor quibble in the sense, is the special effects at the end when they come crashing back down to Earth. Do you remember the do you remember the dodgy special effects they had for Escape from LA with that submarine? Yes. Where, where yeah. It, you know, I, think I remember for the surfing, the too. CGI. Uh, That's it, yeah. The yeah. surfing was really bad in yeah. uh, Escape from LA. But yeah, you're right. It's basically the same movie. It's like, but let's do that in space. In space. So yeah. what, were, what were you saying about the Last Jedi? I'm gonna switch it back to the thing that I relate to about the guilty pleasure thing. That people list it as a guilty pleasure, and it's like that's odd. I think it's because, and this is just my personal bias. I think it's like a well-made movie, and I feel like if you go and like, oh, it's shit yep. on a filmmaking standpoint or even a story yep. standpoint, it's like it's it's not. You just didn't like what happened in it. I feel like there's yes, that different. Yeah. So. Danny, I think that this fits the mold lockout with That's it. Um, with Guy Pierce. 48% Metacritic, 37% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. And I think you're right. That's like, my, I, my guilty pleasures, Jammer. That, that one with Guy Pierce. Did you ever see it, Jammer? Set in space. It was basically Escape from New York set in space. No? I don't think, can you hear him? Jammer? You there? What's that? Yeah, I hear you. What's up? <laughs> what did you say? I guess you, you must have cut out. No, Danny was talking to me. Oh, well, I didn't hear that. He cut out then. What's up? Oh, oh that, that, now it's me cutting out. Fine, whatever. Wasn't important anyway, Jammer. What did you say? No, I want to hear what he had to say. <laughs> did, 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 you, did you ever see the Guy Pierce film? Um, what did we just say it was called, uh, Jonesy? Lockout. 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 Which yeah. was basically no, the I haven't. New York space. See that we were just saying while you were logged off that that, that is a guilty pleasure for me. I, I really enjoyed that film. And then Jones just said that it was pretty low scoring on 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 yeah. websites, which makes it more of a guilty pleasure in our definition of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I enjoyed that movie. Or yeah. even if you even if you like uh if you take general consensus out of the picture, you could be like a movie where it's like this isn't a good movie, but I still really like it for you know some sort of caveman part of me that just enjoys watching it. 
you know, I can't think of it. a movie like that for me. Um, I can think I can't of think of them. Um, so the well, closest let think, one actually, that I think let me I think if I can to... think of one right now at the top okay, of my head now that I said that. No, I want to see if I can think of one now that I said I could. Has anybody seen Chronicles of Riddick? Yes. Yeah, Speaking of Vin Diesel like movies. Exactly. See, you're getting closer. Um, <laughs> let's see here. So Vin Diesel. Uh, Chronicles of Riddick, 2004. Yeah, baby. This is a guilty pleasure. 38% on Metacritic, 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 6.7 on IMDb. 81% of Google users like it, though. Guilty pleasure. I can I think like of a guilty pleasure right now. Now, this is, is this is going to be this is going to be a wonderful transition and a hot take all at once. So far, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novel. Oh I wow! Yeah. A guilty pleasure. Really? Um, it's a weird weird book it's it's not written at all like a novel it almost feels like a script and it feels like it's written by somebody who doesn't know how novels work which is both frustrating but also i'm thinking to myself is this just a me problem because my head is in a box as to what is considered to be a good novel, what is considered good writing in a novel? I don't know. I, I honestly feel like I'm also worried as I'm write, reading it. I'm like, am I going to get worse at writing just having reading this while writing? Um, that's not to say it's bad. Like it's it's very Tarantino in that it, it doesn't, if you read one of his scripts, it's kind of the same thing. It doesn't really adhere to the standard practices of what makes the format good. It's just him. <laughs> telling a story and him just word vomiting onto the page. So let me go ahead and read you the first page of it. Okay. Chapter one, call me Marvin. The buzzer on Marvin Schwartz's desk dictaphone makes a noise. The William Morris agent's fingers holds the lever down on the box. Is that my 1030 you're buzzing me about, Miss Himmelstein? Yes, it is, Mr. Schwartz. His secretary's voice pipes out of the tiny speaker. Mr. Dalton is waiting outside. Marvin pushes down the lever again. I'm ready when you are, Miss Himmelstein. When the door to Marvin's office opened, his young secretary, Miss Himmelstein, steps in first. She's a 21-year-old woman of the hippie persuasion. She sports a white miniskirt that shows off her long tan legs and wears her long brown hair in Pocahontas-style pigtails that hang down each side of her head. The handsome 42-year-old actor, Rick Dalton, and his de rigueur glistening wet, wet brown pompadour follows behind her. Marvin's smile grows wide as he stands up from the chair behind his desk. Miss Himmelstein tries to do the introductions, but Marvin cuts her off. Miss Himmelstein, says I just finished watching a Rick fucking Dalton film festival, no need to introduce this man to me. Marvin crosses the distance between them, sticking out his hand for the cowboy actor to shake. Put her there, Rick. Rick smiles and gives the agent's hand a big pumping shake. Rick Dalton, thank you very much, Mr. Schwartz, for taking the time to meet me. Marvin corrects him. It's Schwartz, not Schwartz. In italics, Jesus Christ, I'm fucking this whole thing up already, Rick thinks. God damn it to hell. I'm sorry about that, Mr. Schwartz. As Mr. Schwartz does a final shake of his head, he says, call me Marvin. Marvin, call me Rick. Rick, they let go of each other's hands. Can Miss Himmelstein get you a tasty beverage? So that's kind of what it is. Thoughts so you know far. what's funny about that? What's funny about that is the explanation of his name and him saying oh, i fucked that up i can see dicaprio so very clearly in that moment in that character saying oh i'm fucking this all up and like i can 
I can't tell if that's DiCaprio or Tarantino or a mixture of the two where I'm like, this is so vivid in my mind. Here's what I think. I think it's a great companion book to the movie. I don't know if it would read nearly as well if we didn't already have the movie in our head. No, yeah, makes sense. it's one of the reasons why I really liked reading Star Trek books because my brain had to do next to zero work having watched mm. like all of the next generation. I'm like, yeah, Worf, Data, Riker, whatever. I, I got it. I know all of these people. My brain did no work to imagine the world that they were in. Um, and this is kind of the same way. Like I can see all of this because it was done so well in the movie. It sucks because I don't know if I'd ever actually like this by itself or uh, if, if it's if it's actually something that would entertain me on a guilty pleasure or if I only like it because I know the movie so well. Like, I'm not sure where the line is. But on another level, the, the book is really interesting because it's like, it's just Tarantino talking movie facts at you. So far, there's this whole chapter where you're just, they just talk about the history of Cliff and his love of foreign movies. And he yeah. walks through like all those foreign movies, even to like taking some, describing the premise and how certain scenes hurt, like act out and stuff and how they affected him. And I'm like, I feel like I'm just listening to Tarantino talk about movies that he likes. I feel like Cliff is his insert character almost in this, in this situation. So it's like, it's a guilty pleasure in that like, I'm not sure it's very well written, but I also don't want to be like fucking Tarantino's a bad writer because he very clearly is. And the voice of the characters is clear, but it's like the prose. It's the prose and then the structure of the story that is just very much unconventional. I'm curious what will happen when you get to the Bruce Lee backlot scene, because I don't know if you guys saw, this is not a story that I had listed for us to talk about, but he was on... Quentin Tarantino was on the Joe Rogan experience talking about this and he basically said that everybody that isn't Shannon Lee can fuck off in their criticism of his portrayal of Bruce Lee which I thought was a, an interesting criticism of people criticizing him uh, I think he specifically said they can go you, you can go suck a dick I think specifically what he said he was very yeah. very he did not mince any words in it um, I mean, but I could see, I could see his point on one level, like on one side where it's just like, clearly he said, yeah, it's her dad, obviously, like, I understand her having that opinion, but everyone else, what ground do you have to stand on to say Bruce Lee would or wouldn't be this thing? Like there's the same ground that he has for revering the people he does from that era, right? Like mm -hmm. his movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a love letter to that era and to, um, Oh, her name just jumped out of my head. Who got killed? Um, Sharon Tate. Oh, Sharon Tate. So his his reverence for her and thinking that that death is what altered that era of Hollywood is the same thing that people feel about Bruce Lee. Like they they have that same reverence for him as a person. And there's that. Plus, Tarantino has said like you know he was an arrogant guy. And he said that he could beat up uh, Muhammad Ali. And that is not true, at least as far as I can tell. And so not necessarily the, the frustration that I think people probably like me feel in what he's saying is my criticism of that scene isn't necessarily rooted or doesn't have to be rooted in being Bruce Lee's daughter. It's in what I feel like is an over-exaggeration of who Bruce Lee was um, and partly a lie because he was like, no, he definitely said 
that he could beat up Cassius Clay. And I can't find that. What I find is something that's almost the exact opposite. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that's a good, that's a good point. But at the same time, I, I guess, I guess I'm weird. Like I look at it, I'm just be like, this is a fictional take on the, on, on Bruce Lee. So I just don't that care. I would be fine with that. So like, if he said it's a fictional take on him, I would agree with exactly what you're saying, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, mm. this is accurate. This is correct. Based on what I've seen in his biography, because what he cited was a page from, he's saying that it came from a page in Linda Lee's biography of Bruce Lee. And as far as I can tell, that is an inaccurate statement. And so if he'd said, this is my fictional take on this person, I'd be like, you know what? I would, I would agree with his criticism that he just made, but and I know to the, say the that other... it is true is something different. Sure. I know the other criticism he he speaks out against is people saying that Cliff couldn't beat Bruce Lee in a fight. And he's just like, he's a fictional character. I say he could beat Bruce Lee. He could beat Bruce right. Lee. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Like, I, that's I agree fair. with that. I agree like, with yeah, that. Yeah, I agree with that too. Um, he, he, him starting out by saying that Bruce Lee was kind of arrogant and that he said that he could beat up Muhammad Ali. Um, those are the things that I think a lot of people take issue with. If the people that take issue with whether or not Cliff could beat him up, like that's weird. I agree with you, but the other stuff saying that, yeah, my take on him is accurate. Nope. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's anyway. the book. The book just came out in the States on the 29th, June 29th. And uh, I'm only 50 pages in, but it is, it is a unique book so far. Yeah. I'm not sure it's good, but I probably will enjoy it. And I feel bad. I feel like a fucking douche being like, oh, the Quentin Tarantino book isn't good. But at the same time, it's like, it doesn't feel like a novel. It feels like a script. But he, yeah, he's not a novel writer, though. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah. that that's, I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think that's wrong. There's a couple random lines where he explains what the character is about to explain before the character starts explaining it stop explaining it, it's like he, oh here we go uh let's see here where he says like marvin went on to try to convince him of something and then you hear the, the dialogue of him trying to convince him of something and i'm just like i don't think i'm ever gonna read i'm just gonna wait for you to tell me what you think of it i'm i'm curious what your take on it is check it out it's it's not it's it's easy to blow through like there's nobody got time for that all right fair enough i wonder if there's a audiobook probably not you know what i'm reading you know what i'm reading i am reading um, (gasps) one piece no i so i've i am forever lagging behind and getting back to one piece because there's always a shiny new object i am reading so you'll still be excited i'm reading shoveled blood Mm -mm. the last strike what? I refuse to be excited because it's not One Piece. I refuse to be excited on principle. Oh man, <laughs> it it's still good. It's so good. Is it really? So it's really good though. It is really good. <laughs> <laughs> How far are you into it? Uh, like forty percent. Oh wow! So you're it's, like you're like four hundred pages in. It's long. Um, yeah, but it's good. Um, I'm enjoying it. And I think the the build up and the the relationship between the characters is pretty good. And that's the thing is I like about the book more than any other mystery. I have a lot of mysteries. They focus somewhat on the, on the characters when the mist and the mystery is like the center focus. These ones, I feel like 
it's almost like get out of the way mystery i want to know about the characters you know yeah like give me more about yeah. their interactions because they're so endearing both cormoran and robin they're so great and they bring out the best in each other it's just like the most wholesome relationship yeah there's a so minor spoiler i'm going to tell you this one thing that happens um and it just it speaks to your level of um how into these characters you are he forgets her birthday and you're just like fuck and you just like put the book to like god <laughs> damn it strike how could you do and it's just and it, like i knew that my reaction to it was really just based on how well these characters have been portrayed and how you want this to work out but you also don't like i have a hard time imagining them together like what would they be like so yeah what would that dynamic be like yeah it's it's like the will they won't they type thing but in a way that doesn't feel completely based in them just being Actually a being couple compatible. it's just yeah yeah but i mean i think they are compatible that's the thing is like he's very empowering and supportive and she like brings out sort of the best most human side of him mm. like i think i think they are compatible it's just that we almost don't want them to get together because once they're together it's like it what happens next where where's the conflict where's the drama and where does that leave for the characters to go next yeah yeah i agree i agree man this but yeah is so it's weird. A, huh. what what's weird i was gonna say you would think this podcast was uh was about books like a book club <laughs> breaking, breaking breaking geek book club uh but apparently it's not <laughs> okay yeah. so here's the thing i i have i have a pitch for you jonesy I'm, I'm ready and and you're welcome to join in on this too danny how would you guys feel about a <laughs> actual book a short ish a short ish no weekly uh, one piece thing where we do basically we catch you guys up like we read maybe five chapters a week and we catch you guys up slowly on the story and discuss it on a weekly basis i'm going to get back to it so i the answer for me is probably yes um we could go on like basically we could start the, like, the first episode could be discussing the east blue saga and then from each episode on it's like every five chapters or whatever and then we can kind of dig into into the goods and it is that on this show or is this a different show it would be a separate thing it wouldn't be the show. separate thing i could do that yeah that'd be yeah. fun that could be fun. Uh, we'll see. It's good. What about you, Danny? <laughs> Come on. No. Come on. <laughs> you're, you're getting the East West Sea from uh, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, obviously, we're recording this right now. So maybe this will make it into the show. So let's see what the feedback is from the dear listener. Oh, but it's yeah. definitely something you want I Danny to torture it. himself reading a manga. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this cool thing that you could be experiencing eventually. Is that some of the swag that we get for your Patreon? Holding up something. It looks like a... No, it's a, it's a, it's oh. a, it's a volume of a manga. I think it's a, pay oh, I thought it was a Patreon swag. The Patreon no, no, it's a Patreon swag. So you owe us. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I know. Look, look at this beautiful art. I always used to hate so that good. about manga when I was a kid. Like, the, the covers would be, like, colorful and, like, shit happening all over you open up it was black and white inside like fuck you it's funny i actually had a similar reaction for american comics for a different reason i hated more than anything in the world where you get a, a comic and they'd have these really sort of polished covers then you open it up art's completely different it's like what the fuck yeah oh yeah, yeah different cover art to the yeah the artist on the inside yeah 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 that drove me nuts but i'm i'm talking like i was in second grade when i had this 
this feeling. This wasn't like, you know, five years ago. But yeah. Anyway. So we should probably guys, get into the show. Should get into the show. I it's mean, we've already show. covered a little, we've already did a little bit of news. This is the show. Yeah, I know, but show. we should we should get into the other stuff that, that like you have actual show, on the docket for today, on the actual the show other, proper. Other things that, you know what's funny? I was like, hey, we got three stories. We could both do these real quick. And we're already <laughs> 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 and have covered guilty pleasures book club and manga and none of the stuff that we're supposed so to I, I appreciate this because i kind of like the free-flowing stuff that's like my favorite part of whenever we have have those free-flowing conversations that that transition into each other you know it's just yeah. a bunch of guys talking i like that yeah i and my my too. feedback that i've heard is is that's what people like to hear apparently too yeah, okay. I've heard that as well. Yeah. Yep. I have to. I have to. And as people, what people haven't discovered is that I don't actually, you know, I don't like you guys, but they think that I do. Wow. They're, they're oh, like, okay. man, you so guys you like, sound like you a like bunch lying. of friends. Yeah, lying like, on you a guys daily sound basis. like you're all friends. And I'm like, ha gotcha, bitch. Joke's on you. Joke's on you. Um, no, nope, so but yeah, as far as One Piece, I actually was thinking about yeah. about maybe collaborating with the One Piece podcast and have putting it on their feed, our our sort of catch up. Ooh, okay, because okay. I because hey, I feel like I know a huge market out there is getting someone up to speed on a story that they don't like and hear or that they don't have experience in, and then hearing their reaction. So hearing like your genuine reactions in you know on One Piece as we go through it is something that is uh, is appealing to people. Though they often like it arc by arc. I was like, that's too much. That's too much reading. And But I have also been wanting to reread the series for a while. Um, I recently, last year, caught up to like where we're at. I'm like, I need to go back and, you know, post East Blue and just kind of hop into to everything from there. Because I read East Blue like several times, but it's usually beyond that. And I've read like reread certain parts here and there, but never like all the way through again. I would like to do that again. So where are you starting your reread? I'd start, we, I mean, we could start at chapter 101, like where you, I think you stopped at chapter 100, didn't you? Uh, something like that. Yeah. And I think I'm 120 or hundred, between 120, and 150 chapters there. Okay. So we could, we could basically pick up wherever you left off, have like a recap of what you've experienced so far and then go from there. Or we can maybe just start from talking about one or start talking about the first hundred chapters. And the next one could be like 100, 101 to where you're caught up and then five chapters from there on out. Sure. Five to ten, whatever we decide on is the amount that we want to. Yeah, Danny, with. you hear that? Whatever we decide on. Yeah, I'm fine what with that. that. You guys decide whatever you like. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm still smiling about the fact that how little reaction there was between Jammer and I when you said you didn't like us. There was a clear recognition of all signs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you all whatever. understood. You were like, yeah, you're, yeah. you're like, fuck, that tracks. Yeah, that makes sense. There was no tears. No one, no one got upset. Jammer and I just carried yeah. on. You know, I just carried on listening to Jammer talk about One Piece. Yeah. So yeah. good, you, good transition. It's like it's like that one scene in Mythic Quest where he's like, "Oh yeah, he's a sociopath." I, I have no feels like I feel nothing for him. I don't care. <laughs> it's like it's like between Brad and Ian. It's like that. That's the relationship we have. Is like, but he makes the show go. Like if it wasn't for Brandon, the show would have no spine. So that's that's why we bring. Oh. That's why we have him here. See now I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> and I actually feel something now. I might that's the trick. I might feel something now. <laughs> so getting rid of news because fuck format mythic hmm. quest guys myth did you finish mythic quest danny no I'm how far st- are you I, 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 god just, damn you the, danny last ep- i know i know i know the last episode i saw was the flashback episode and i haven't watched the okay. next one yet that's five or six right five six 
Uh, no, I think like six would be the next seven one. and eight. Oh, okay. Is it really? I mean, maybe you're right. No, I think you're right. I think maybe it's seven, eight, and nine. I think there's nine episodes. Yeah. I don't fucking know. You have I think there are nine episodes. I think there are nine episodes. There's the flashback episode. Then there's the resolution of that flashback with CW that's next. And then I oh, feel like it. there might only be one or two episodes left after that. There's at least two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so maybe right. so two. The last one was a flashback. Yeah. Love but yeah, let's... let's... Oh, the so should we... Let's talk Mythic Quest season two through the flashback to start. And then we, we can talk general stuff afterwards so we don't spoil Danny. But um, actually, I could start general. Holy crap. Mythic Quest season two. So fucking good. Like a huge step up from season one. Uh, they have done a, a great job of... Um, I remember my biggest criticism for season one was like, I don't like the tester girls because they're nothing happens. They're boring. They have non-conflict where it's literally just, they both clearly like each other. Where's, where's the con? Who cares? Um, I and think then that's real life I, though. I, I'm not watching mythic quest to watch real life though. I'm watching what mythic quest to watch a story with things happening and they're not really doing anything super special. It's like, they're just being there existing, fawning over each other in secret, except not really in secret, kind of to their faces and then just not doing anything about it. It's like, well, this is, I already had that when I was like in high school and college. I don't need that on my TV. Um, so yeah, I just didn't, it wasn't, I didn't buy it. And then I also didn't like Brad or CW as characters. I thought Brad was just really boring and he just did nothing emotionally. And then CW was just kind of like, I wasn't sure about the way he spoke. It was kind of over the top and weird. And then he was also just sort of a, a perv guy with no redeeming qualities. Much. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so season two, they literally are like, they almost said, hey, there's this guy, Jammer, who has these feelings that I don't think he's aired, but let's basically tackle every single issue that he had with season one. They're like, let's start by integrating the actual storyline of the Tester Girls into the main plot and actually make them have goals of their own. And they made them instantly interesting, like way more interesting instantly. Um, and then let's go ahead and actually put some, you know, chinks in, in Brad's armor and actually like make him human. And like by like the end of it, not really a spoiler, but whatever. It's like, you almost get the impression that he actually is a nice guy and is just trying his best to put on a show that he's not. And it's really interesting. And then you have CW who that flashback followed. And it's like, he may still be a complete, you know, misogynist asshole now, but I don't know. They managed to sort of make him interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Not necessarily likable, but interesting. Um, yeah. And I think that flashback episode was like a great epitome of that, where it shows him show, coming to the city. I think it was, was it LA? Seemed like it. Yeah. LA in like the seventies and him and a few other copywriters are starting at this, this magazine where they publish stuff and it's it's about his sort of realizing how much his own tastes don't really align with the mainstream and him ultimately only succeeding because of like a series of events that lead to semi-plagiarism <laughs> and you know and it's just like but at the same time it's not technically plagiarism because of the reasons like how it happened it's just like he was in his right to do what he did he did it but the way they did it at the very end so i'm gonna spoil it right now fuck it so Isaac Asimov, he's, he gives him the story and he says, here, 
let me know what, what notes you have. And I, Asimov actually read it and was like, I was inspired to write, basically give my notes on the story. And then he read lines, basically every it's fucking line of the book. Thing. <laughs> and basically rewrites it. So then CW just rewrites the entire story with his notes as like essentially the Asimov thing. And then at the very end, when <laughs> the girl in his, in his group of friends was just like, he's like, it doesn't read like light Asimov. It reads exactly like Asimov. And there's just this, pregnant pause there Thanks. where he just has this smile and then he goes what a lovely compliment and then it it ends and i was like oh my god perfect so does he good. know does he know does he know what she meant yeah oh yeah uh, yes definitely for yeah. sure definitely. yeah i 100 he seems to lack some level of self-awareness that i wasn't entirely sure um, I think he's awkward, but I do think he is able to read social cues. I don't think he's just able to really act on them very well. Everything okay. that he did seemed to indicate that he was able to read the room pretty well, even okay. if he doesn't agree. Uh, but then like also the scene at the very, very end where you see him like, you know, turning a freaking rotisserie at the Ren Fair, And then you have those two come up to him and ask him about writing for video games and there was this whole scene before where he like foresaw after seeing a pong video game in the store yeah. window the future of storytelling and this whole speech that no one understood anyways they had the flashback as he's asked about writing for a video game and just sort of that look of like oh my god like it's i happening. finally like it's, it finally caught up to me this thing that i had been wanting to do or thought about doing is finally happening it was just so it was tear inducing i definitely cried I, I, I like watered up my eyes when that happened. So good. His face was pure joy, wasn't it? He actually, I had, that was yeah. the moment when he became the most, almost likable was that moment of joy in his face when he actually, like his almost his life's dream was actually going to happen. It was realization. It was almost the, the pure joy that, that, um, uh, that Smeagol has when he's got the one ring at the end of, uh, <laughs> and he's falling into the lava, but he's got his, oh, I've got my precious. This is it. I'm so happy. Um, and then his life goes uh, kind of, well, we know where it goes after that, but it was great. I, I love that last it, scene. The thing that I thought almost, was funny about that was I like that Poppy was like completely unimpressed. She was like, this is the guy. And Ian is like, yeah, <laughs> this is the guy. And Poppy's like, what the fuck ever. Let's get, let's get out of here. I just love she's on his phone, on her phone. She's like, what? He's like, hey, dickhead. And she's just like, what? What do you want? Like their interactions are really good. I Speaking of Poppy, I love how unhinged Poppy is this season. She's full on tyrant and I love it. Yeah. Like, I thought I would not like it, but I actually kind of like it because it kind of shows just how self-destructive she really is and how much she actually fits into the uh, the awful culture at that company. Like, she wasn't, like, last season was basically us feeling sorry for her that she was better than it, but no, she's not. She, she's a part of the problem. And it was kind yeah. of fun to see. Yeah. I also, so talking about what you said with the testers being into the main story now i loved the interaction between ian and rachel in the porch yes. where she was talking about like it, it was just like this weird crazy verbal jujitsu where he came off like he was blaming you know society for all this other stuff and then she felt like she started blaming straight white men for what was happening with her and he was like no this is the moment we've been in this car for how long and you haven't taken this opportunity to tell me what it is the fuck you want. And it's like, yeah, that's, those are the moments you got to take. And she could not deliver on that moment. And it was just, I, I loved it. it. It hurt to watch because I like her, 
but at the same time, I love that she's able to um, take that moment and learn from it. So yeah, maybe. Um, uh, not to spoil. Maybe it, learn from maybe. it. I mean, she. Oh yeah, maybe learn from it. I was like, say yeah, she did. Don't you remember? I was like, oh wait, no, never. Mind. <laughs> no, but uh, but I love like just how much it had to be spelled out for her though. Just like how blind she was to certain things. Where he was talking about how like. I got an elevator with, you know, the C I was a tester. I got an elevator with this guy and I, I pitched him like 17 ideas and he maybe liked one of them. And she's like, yeah, well, not everyone can, you know, have that opportunity. He's like, this is it. The car is this the is elevator. It. I am here. Tell me what you, tell me exactly what you want. Like, what do you what want? Do you want? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> yeah. And it just like, also just sort of the left, the, the way that I think the show really balances making the characters unbearable versus making them likable is just sort of in the, th the little things where he's a complete asshole, but also he's a likable one. Like in the moments where I could say two moments, one of them I can't because at the very end of the season, I don't want to say it. But the second, <laughs> the other one is in the car as well, where, where he says, do you think things are easier for me because I'm a white straight male? And she's like, and he's just like, yeah, absolutely. Of course it's, it's undeniable. Like he just kind of like acknowledges all of those things, but it's still like, but still, Fuck you, you're annoying, and I don't like you. Did you get to the uh, the HR episode yet, Danny? The the what animal oh, are God. you? Yes. The, is the animal, animal are you? Is that oh, oh I love the fact that the wolf was on the windowsill for about ten minutes in the whole first episode. <laughs> yeah, I was like the whole, the whole time I was like, where the fuck is he? And what animal is he? And he just shows up like I'm oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> no but that was so good just like the character interactions oh and joe joe is a is a psychopath she went all in on this one as well and her interactions with brad and teaming those two up and how they're so externally antagonistic towards each other it's like oh yeah like we're gonna that thing he said at the beginning of the season where he says either you'll try and kill me and me devouring you will make you me stronger or you'll become like the alpha or something like that it was just so stupid and over the top uh, and it made me love his character so much. And that just really, when they were circling each other in the room at that point, talking about like what sort of people, what sort of animals they were, it was just pure character gold. It was like, it accomplishes exactly what I love about every bottleneck episode of a TV show, where it's just all the interactions kind of playing off each other and they're kind of just triggering each other back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. It was gold, gold. Yeah especially the end of that episode where Poppy left Ian hanging and even Carol was like, God damn, Poppy, that was cold. Yeah, that was a savage that. mood. Savage. Oh. For man. those who don't know, who don't care, there's a moment where they have, uh, she asks, what is the greatest fear? And Ian basically says, my greatest fear is thinking that Mythic Quest is like the only good thing that I can do and that Poppy is sort of the new lion, so to speak. The new lion who will basically take over and then leave me completely uh, irrelevant. And then they're like, okay, Poppy, what's your greatest fear? And she's like, singing. And it was just like the biggest <laughs> fuck you moment ever. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it was great. So good. So good. So yeah, I, <sighs> Danny, you got to finish this, man. Like this is- I have, I will. It's really good. I, I mean, it just goes it goes to show again, with, with Ted Lasso coming back within the next couple of weeks, Apple TV, Plus or whatever with Apple TV is really no, it's nailing these yeah, right. TV shows. Yeah, absolutely nailing these TV shows. It's it's the go-to place now. When I see something new coming on Apple, instead of thinking ah maybe not, I'm like I'm going to check this out. I'm going to I'm going to watch this because they're, they're you know their their hit to miss ratio is is pretty damn good at the moment. I'm I'm impressed yeah. with Apple TV. 
Yeah. Um, for all so, mankind, so it's still quests. so good. I, I know you Is don't it? want to watch it, Jammer, but I, I am so into For All Mankind. I'll actually give um, another shot. Yeah. Oh, so this is funny. I didn't realize this. I knew it and then I forgot because I wasn't watching it when I did the interview. So Stephen O. Young, who I did the interview with, you were like, hey, you should interview this guy. Interviewed him, did some research and knew that he was on the show, but completely forgot about it. And he shows up on the show and I'm like, oh, that's right. The, the guy. I remember that. Um, but it's a, it's really, really good. I enjoy the hell out of it. So. I, uh... I think these these next couple, the past couple of weeks or whatever, have been really solid because you know you have Mythic Quest, and then Central Park just started up, and when Central Park, it's a great show. Fuck off, Jonesy. Is no, no, no. I was show. laughing because <laughs> I so my daughter has been watching a show on repeat, like on to the point where she walks through the house singing the songs, and. Good. I was, I was singing laughing. the Wee Hawkins song. Yes. But I was laughing because so she started watching the new season and she's already starting with the new songs. Um, like there was a moment I was taking out the trash and she was just in her own world watching TV. And I'm just standing at the door watching her like do her little bop to whatever's happening on the TV and singing a song that she doesn't quite know yet because it's, it's brand new. I'm like, God damn, she is super into the show. Yeah, so. it's so good. So we have Central Park with so many great songs. I'm already, I've only watched the first two episodes because we try to have like two episodes at a time to watch. Um, so then by the time Central Park ends, Ted Lasso will be on. And by the time mm. Ted Lasso is on or is done, I think Morning Show will be back. Ooh. So we got like a good gauntlet of, of Apple TV shows through September, I think. Yeah. And I still have to finish for all mankind. I think I'm like oh. six episodes into the rest. And I also of that. have Home Before Dark season two. Is that good? You said that. I don't yeah. think we've talked about that. Yeah, no, Home Before Dark is good. I'm interested to see what you think of it, Jonesy, because the main character is a little girl who is like a journalist. Hmm. But it's interesting. The show walks this fine line. I think it's family friendly, but it really is like border between what is acceptable family friendly and then maybe what isn't and i'm not sure how interested kids would be in it but at the same time it's just a really interesting mystery with this little girl as as a lead and her dad who like encourages her to do that because he's also a journalist so it's like family friendly there's nothing like i don't think too objectionable it's just a matter of whether or not kids would be interested in it i don't know um but it's i think it's pretty solid i think it's fun I don't think the girl will irritate you, even though I know you don't like little kids in, in shows and movies that I much. I don't like little kids. I don't. I think okay. she might get a pass from you because she's mostly, she's as logical as one could expect a, a kid to be. It's not even just that I, it's not because I expect kids to be logical. I hate when they are used as plot points just to fuck shit up, to move the plot forward. It's like, they're automatically annoying when it happens. Um, okay, I think th I don't think that you do that to her in this show. Then okay, because yeah, right. she drives the story forward. She's I mean, she's the main character. It's the same reason why I hate like when women fall down in horror movies. Like you're wearing heels and you run and you fall down. Like tripping your high heels. It. Like yeah, like yep. come on, <laughs> come on. Um, it's remind me of that episode. On a, on a that episode. Tangent. Hmm. I was just remind me of that scary movie where she's like, "Is this the part where I break my leg?" And she like snaps like a bone through her leg. Yeah. I yeah. Um, it reminds me, there's this random tangent. You're describing, like, ah, it's family friendly. 
I'm thinking about the stuff I watched when I was my kid's age, like Highlander and Little Monsters and all kinds of like nobody was monitoring what I watched when I was a kid. Yeah, me neither, um, which is why everyone's just like, I wouldn't let my kids watch this thing. I'm like, fuck off. I was watching, you know, Celebrity Deathmatch when I was eight. It was fine. I watched yeah. Exorcist when I was 10. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember, what was your first R-rated movie? I remember mine. Mine was shitty. It was Under Siege 2 Dark Territory. Oh my God. <laughs> what, what a waste. What a waste. Um, I don't remember what my first was because what was Highlander? Was Highlander rated R? It I had to. No? I never seen Highlander, so I don't know. If that makes a difference. I'm going to have to go back and, and find out. So I guess I can look. Been, the original? That was definitely one of them. Yeah, with Sean Connery as the Spaniard a, and the Frenchman as an Irishman. I don't, think you, I don't think you had that that certification in the U.S. Did you back then? No, it's PG thirteen and R. No, we had PG. We had PG fifteen and eighteen. Eighteen was that was all restricted. Um, so it was out in eighty six, which mm-hmm. is on the border of whether or not it would ha- there would be a PG thirteen rating at all. So it would have either been PG or R. Yeah, people getting their heads chopped off. I feel like it couldn't have been a PG movie. But there was no blood. Yeah, there's that. It's R. Okay, that's definitely one of my first. Predator was one of my first. That was one of my first. Basically, like all all of those staple '80s action movies. Um, American Ninja was probably one of those. Um, Bloodsport. Nobody gave a shit what I was watching when I was like, God damn, my parents. Good on I them. I was yeah. fine. You turned out fine. Good on them. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. Like, good on them because I'm fine. Oh, God. So like your parents, your parents, your parents raising a successful lawyer son. God damn. They did terribly. Yeah, yeah. Bastards. I'm going to let my kids watch more rated R shit. Yeah, do it. How old are they? Five and six. <laughs> yeah. I think I was five when I watched my first one. I, Under Siege was like five or six. So I think they're ready. They're ready, no, man. Just you just trauma- need to figure that out. That just traumatize what, them. What would you want to have them to watch if you're going to have them watch an R-rated movie? What would be the next the step? First, the first rated R movie. I feel like Blade could be a good one. Oh, okay. Like the yeah. first one. I feel like I would. I feel like I would have been bored. I would have been bored watching Blade as a kid that young. Okay. Well, Jonesy, yeah. we touched on this last week, Jonesy. Can I ask you then, as because I am not a parent, what would be what would be the uh, you know what would be the, the deciding factor? Are you more are you more conscious of the language being used or the violence being shown? Because we touched on this last week, Jamma, with the difference between the US and Europe when it comes to certifications and sex and violence. So for you, Jonesy, and the kids, if for example, what would you be more concerned about, the language or the violence shown? It depends on when. So as they progress in age, I need them to be able to understand like, hey, when we go visit grandma, don't fucking say this. All right. Don't fucking say fuck. You hear me saying it? Don't do it. Don't Um, do that. And yeah. And so here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing about that. I don't want them to watch that stuff, but I definitely swore at my son for the first time uh, when we were in Croatia. When he like so we're in king's landing and he just fucks off and vanishes like he runs away and runs down a dock and for like 10 minutes we can't find him and oh, no. when we find him 
I'm fucking livid. And I yelled at him and cursed at him. It wasn't my anger. It was, I need you to understand how badly you have fucked up right now. And so I screamed. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, you could see like the, the snap of his brain. I was like, we're in a country, you don't speak the language, you don't have any money, you don't know anything about anything. What do you do? And like you like his whole mood changed for the entire day. Um, which is good. That was just the impact that I wanted. I still felt bad. Like I didn't want to have to do that. But at the same time, um, I told him when we got back, I was like, You scared mommy and daddy. You cannot do that. So Yeah. Sometimes I I guarantee you in 20 years, he will be on a podcast talking about the first time his dad swore at him. And that was was like, yeah, I went on Croatia and I saw this really cool seagull on the dock and I ran over to it. And then he yelled at me and I was never, uh, never the same. Never ran away again, never ran away again, learned to stay by them and to be safe while traveling. And I was positively impacted because my dad decided to swear at me. Yeah. Jones, yeah, Jones, you being a lawyer, you didn't answer the question, motherfucker. No, no, I. It, it depend, I need to be able to <laughs> explain to them what they're seeing. So as long as they are mature enough for me to explain to them, don't say this when we go see Gammy. Um, it's fine. The violence part, like they don't have access to swords, but as long as they understand that what they're seeing isn't real, I'm yeah. okay with that. Because they so, already do run around like they have toy guns. Like, I don't know what so, it is about what they're seeing, because I don't think they see a lot of it, that they still inculcate this idea of like running around and pretending like, like do finger guns. It's like, I don't know where that comes from for, as kids, but they definitely. Is it the games? Uh, do they, do they, are they, are they playing computer games? Are they seeing you play games where like Call of Duty or something well, like that? Just so when he was younger, my son. Everybody thinks their, their kid is smart. I think my son is smart. He would watch me play Battlefield, and when I died, he'd be like, you dead? You dead, Daddy? I'm like, fuck. Yes, dead. Jo- John Madden over there running commentary every time I, I get murdered, but yes. yes. <laughs> um, I mean, no different but- than when we, like, would fall into the lava in Mario as, you know, play on NES. Sure. Like, oh, I died. Yeah. That's fine. It's not somebody else telling, like, pointing out the fact that you died like oh god yes shut up child that's 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 also the the minor concern isn't it that when if if for example they're seeing a character die but immediately come back it's all fine they come back there's no real death there's no real consequence that i guess the possible danger is that unless like you've just rightly said jones that you explain to them that this is fake violence and real life is very different there is that concern, I suppose, that you know, they'll come back. They'll, they, you know, I've right. seen people die on computer games and they just come back. It's fine. I don't need to get upset. And so why is this person not getting back up? Why is this person right. no longer coming back alive again? So, I mean, I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I wouldn't know if that has that effect or not. But I guess that is the potential danger, isn't it? That they're confusing fantasy, always returning to resurrection and sadly yeah. what happens in the real world. I mean... He, he more than her, he is starting to ask questions like, is this real or isn't it? Like he will read something. It's frustrating because he can read. And so then I have to explain to him um, some fantastical thing. He's like, is this true or not? And so I have to explain that her, I don't have to do that as much because I'm, I'm fairly certain she's like a sociopath. Like she's frightening. 
Um, and like, she just does not seem to care about that kind of stuff, but he, he's genuinely confused and asks questions and, um, cool. I'm pretty sure she's going to murder me in my sleep. It's fine. Oh God. Horrifying. Okay. Yeah. She's scared. Well, she's scared. If you're going to, if you're going to choose a way to go in your sleep is your choice, right? Yeah. It is. I just hope I don't wake up when that knife comes. Yeah, it's like wake up ah, and then feel the pain and then <laughs> get stabbed again. Yeah, then the bleed out. Um, It'd be like a scene at the scene out of the orphan where the orphan just like slowly stabs the guy as he's drunk. It's like ah. So last, so before she turned five, very quickly, she said something off, like in another room. She said she was gonna stab my wife with a pencil or something like that. And oh my, my wife was like, yeah, exactly. And she was like, what? And she's four. And she's like, what? And I heard my daughter say, it's a figure of speech. Four-year-old figure of speech. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Interesting. And I pick her up. I'm like, you love daddy, right? You love daddy. Don't you? <laughs> yeah, I love daddy. It's like, what's it a figure of speech for? It's a figure, it's a figure of speech for I'm going to stab you with a knife. That's what it's a figure of speech for. <laughs> George is already preparing the defense of his daughter. Man. <laughs> Temporary insanity. The devil made me do it. I don't know. Something. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the, that's the psychology of my children. Very frightening. That's the answer. Um, you guys want to move on to something else? I mean, I think there's a good transition there between the troubles that Sociopathic with- children. The troubles that I come with family. I do want to talk about this. I do want to talk about one story. I do want to. Talk, I know you want to. I know you want to do a, a, a good segue, but of the so stories close. that I had up there, the only one that I, I think I really want to talk about though is the Shang Chi one and the abomination. Um, do you all really not care? You don't care. Wow! Oh, yeah, wow! No, I, I was yawning. Is this first yawn? starts yawning. <laughs> immediately um so i'm keeping my yawn ready for the transformers news i'm, I'm stifling man. it down ready to get here man you guys watch brooklyn 99 at all no yes there is that episode where where terry was sleep deprived or whatever and he was like standing there and the, the captain was looking at him and he was just like and the guy was like are you are you suppressing a yawn and he's just like no and anyways, I, just, I should have done that. Is what it comes down to. I find myself doing that a lot, where I'm just like, it just makes you look weird, though. Jack, uh, yeah, but not really. Yawning. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, give us your news, Johnny. Now, Jammer really gives a shit. Uh, so, so we had some news come out this week with a new Shang Chi trailer. Um, the thing that was kind of interesting is towards the end you get a shot of what appears to be abomination and someone else who people were like, is that Wong? That can't be Wong. And they're fighting in a tournament. I get what appears to be a tournament against each other. And Kevin Feige recently said in an interview with Rotten Tomatoes, yes, we recently released the final trailer for Shang-Chi. Some fans, this looks like a character they hadn't seen in many years, named the abomination, fighting a character that looks like Wong. And I can say that the reason it looks like that is because that is Abomination fighting Wong. Um, I think for me, the interesting news of it isn't necessarily Abomination because we knew that he was coming back. Um, we knew that in She-Hulk, 
Well, we knew in She-Hulk that Tim Roth was coming back. And right. we knew, so based on that, I knew that that character was coming back. It's surprising to me that Wong is in what appears to be a tournament fighting Abomination. I think that was kind of surprising. And the other thing that, but what I did find interesting about Abomination is that he looks more like the comic book accurate version of him with like the kind of uh, uh, lizard-like ears or fans, like iguana fans versus what he yeah. looked like and oh, uh, the Incredible Hulk. He... Yeah. 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 And I remember I, the justification think... for why they didn't have those is because they were like, Hulk would go for those immediately. Oh, I kind of like that explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting. I think the most interesting part of the story to me, honestly, was how much Kevin Feige did not not answer that question. He yeah, fully he responded. Full yeah. yeah, he was just all like, yep, that's it. As opposed to being like, well, that's interesting. I wonder if yeah. that's a fact. I will just say that we're always open to bringing characters back into the MCU from previous movies. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. But yeah, That's how you know the it. swag is on 100. It's like, we don't care. You're like, yeah. We know you're going to come see no matter what I tell you. So yeah. That's, that's <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's Danny, cool. I, I like Wong a lot. Yeah. And uh, I, I liked Abomination back when I first saw the movie. I thought he was a cool character. And I liked Tim Roth as the character. And I felt, even though revisiting it, it's not like the greatest movie. I still think they had a lot of, it was fun had it like a lot of forward momentum going into it. And yep. uh, ultimately I was disappointed that we didn't get to see more Tim Roth going forward or any leader going forward um, from that, that one guy who was there, Mr. Blue, I think it was in the, in the movie. He was his code name for the online chat. Uh, mm. Bruce Banner was Mr. Green. I think he was Mr. Blue. Well, and yeah. um Anyways, I thought that was great. And that actor is fantastic. So I'm interested to see where he, if, if he comes back at all, where he takes things. But I know that that actor impressed the fuck out of me in Watchmen. So, but he's been around forever. So like, it's, I guess it's not surprising yeah. that he's good at acting, but yeah, it surprised <laughs> me how wholesome he looks and how terrifying he was in that show. Yeah. 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 Anyway, sorry, Danny, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that, Jam. I'm glad that they, although it's not one of the strongest entries in the in, in the canon as far as the films are concerned, I'm glad that they're they're happy and comfortable with picking from it and bringing Abomination back and recognizing that it is part of canon and uh, what happened in that film was. I mean, they were finding their feet with those movies still with that one, but there was definitely some good takeouts and Tim Roth, his decline and his. Um, his determination to beat the Hulk and wasn't giving a shit about becoming the abomination. I thought it was a great little character arc for what was a character that was a fucking asshole. Um, so I'm glad that he gets to come back. Now, whether or not we'll see him as Tim Roth or whether he's just going to be mocap in abomination all the time, I- I'm not sure on that. Have we heard anything about that as far as She-Hulk is no. concerned? And that was actually going to be my question to you all. What did you all, did you all think that was going to occur? Given the fact that they were getting Tim Roth back, do you think that it will either be flashbacks or has does he have the ability just like Bruce Banner to go back to normal size? I'm yeah. curious about that. Yeah, well, I, I'd like it. I'd, I would like to see Tim Roth actually say as Tim Roth and not just motion capture and uh, and and CGI because I think I think he's great. And one of the one of my favorite shows he was in, which was cut short, unfortunately, was Lie to Me. Lie really to Me. That. Yeah, yeah. I think he was. I think he's. Great. I don't like so that show. Really. Well. 
I mean, I it's less about him. It was more to do with just the fact it's very TV. It's very network it's TV feeling. But he was so yeah, good that, at it. Yeah. And he was so good. The way yeah. you'd get into someone's face and just be like watching every little nuance, I think it was great. So it'd be a shame if we don't get to see Tim Roth without the makeup, so to speak. Um, but yeah. I'm happy to see he's coming back. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anything else on that? No, but I will no. say that the thing about that you talked about with your family is... <laughs> Do it, Java. Do it. It, it, yes. it, it really does. It transforms, show... it transforms from one thing into another. <laughs> but it also shows sort of the difficulty that you have to face that that family could bring into to any aspect of life, including those they moments. They turn into little when... bees. They transform into little bees. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> are you trying I'll to transition to another story? <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought you were talking about Ron Perlman vo voicing Optimus no. Primal. Why would I talk about that? That's no. the next story. Oh, okay, go. go no. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> that's it. I, mean, oh, that's I, really I really think I know where Jammer was going. Such a shame he couldn't get there. <laughs> I mean, that's literally so I I'm someone... So we had some Beast Wars news last week on the show. Um, I'm a big Tim Roth stan. You know, we talked about Guilty Pleasures. I love Pacific Rim. He's in Pacific Rim and Sons of Anarchy. Tim Roth so is Ron... in Pacific Rim? Roth? No, didn't I say Ron Perlman? I thought I said Ron no. Perlman. No. You said you were Tim Roth stan. Sorry. sorry, hold on. Let me turn my brain. <laughs> um, Ron Perlman. Um, so since I was a kid watching him and Linda Hamilton and Beauty and the Beast on CBS. And yeah. so he is voicing Optimus Primal, who was a great character. And so the other part Didn't of the George R. R. Martin write that show? I think he might have. Yeah, I think that he's sounds one of the familiar. Of the show. Yeah. Wow, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it was um, Twilight Zone and then Beauty and the Beast. I think he wrote in like the eighties, before he decided, "Fuck TV! I want to be able to have as many people and as many different swords and shields and army sizes as one on Red Game of Thrones. Then I'll become really successful in the two thousand tens." A good plan. That's it. Did it it's work? Good plan. It worked out for him. It did. Okay. Um, so that's really it. Ron Perlman's going to be voicing Optimus Primal in uh, Rise of the Beast, Transformers, Rise of the Beast. And the nice thing about that, the only other part of the story that I think was interesting is I didn't know this before. This is going to follow Bumblebee as opposed to being something else. It, it's been really hard to pin Hasbro down as to what they're doing with this franchise, whether or not Bumblebee was a soft reboot or what that meant for the franchise and how they were going to move forward, but it seems like this is going to follow um, 2018's Bumblebee, so. Totes. Yeah. That's it. Wait, so That's this is going to be, is Optimus Primal, is that different from Optimus Primal? I don't know shit about the Transformers. Yes, so Optimus Primal is not Optimus Prime. He took that name in reverence of optimus prime they are the the beasts um are uh descendants of the autobots okay then yeah yeah could be good and so of course we're getting uh the original uh peter cullen back as well so it'll be interesting to see how they uh get all that together but yeah 
yeah, you know, it's one big Transformers family. That they're gonna get it, it, it is it is one big Transformers family. But you know, the thing about family that's really annoying is that like you, you know, we're, we're we're a part of the BGR of the P family here. And sometimes family can just do things to fuck with you and you know really show that you know, as great as they could be, they come with problems. And I think that's something that Dominic Toretto also realized in the latest entry of the Fast and Furious franchise, F9, The Fast Saga. Wait, here's why I'm confused. No Loki, oh, Loki. I got Loki. You're not doing that? Oh. You're not doing anything? All right. That thing? All right. That's not, yeah, we okay. don't have to. I'm no, just no, confused. We're doing we're, we're doing so here's it. the thing. Here's the thing. <sighs> you haven't been here for two weeks. Nick was like, hey, here's Jammer's thing. I've never heard you do it. You don't, you don't have to. All right, we're doing it. Looky, looky. Here, here, I got here comes Loki. I don't remember what it was. Looky, looky. Here yours. comes Loki. I think why it's what it, it is. Why isn't looky, looky? I've got Loki. Was it? Is it? Is it a play on hook or is it a play on? Yeah, hook? it's a play on hook. It's a play on hook. Oh, yeah. Looky, looky. I've got hooky. I've got Loki. Well, yeah, I've got Loki. But I don't got Loki. Loki is just on. So I'm like, no. But that's the line. I got. I get the fact that's the line. It's a play. On, it doesn't have to be exactly the line to be a play on the line. Okay. I'm just, I mean, I, I, hey, listen, baby, it's your title. I'm just trying to, you know. All right. Well, no. I haven't watched, I have not watched the fourth one. I've only watched the third one. Oh, is one, this so why we're well. skipping your segment? This is why. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's listen, that's all you had to say. We don't, we don't have to do the thing. I actually did have questions for you guys, but we don't have to do the thing. We could, we is it, is it from episode a, four? Yeah. Okay, well, I haven't seen episode four, so I can't help I, you. Well, now I know. All right. So, Fast and Furious. <laughs> so, Fast F9, and Furious. The, F9, the Fast Saga, as it's called, and all the advertisements. Um, that was a move. That's certainly something that Wait, was... Wait, uh, let me ask you something. What? Is, is that part of the yeah. title? Are we really getting into this right now? <laughs> I'm just trying to... I just want to know. I seem to like. I just want to know. I, I could here. Okay. Uh, based on the movie, in the the last thing that popped up on screen before I left the theater, mm-hmm. I think it's just F nine. Oh. Okay. Even though F nine, the Fast Saga was in all the advertising. That's so weird. I can't so tell weird. if you're like taking the piss or not. All right, F nine. Oh, I'm totally, I'm totally messing because I remember we had like a ten minute debate where I was like, to be fair, you were like, all of the evidence, all of the evidence supported me, but the the fact is, you know, the if evidence has never been has been a lawyer friend who could help you parse the evidence and get to the actual Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes has it as F nine. The the Fast Saga is on their on their site, so. Whatever. So F9, the Fast Saga, it is two hours and 25 minutes, has a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 59% based on 251 reviews and 84% with audiences with over 5,000 verified ratings. Um, So this story sees Dominic Toretto and his intrepid team of car fiends as they enter another mission uh, for reasons and uh, they find out that behind the entire thing is none other than the, the Toretto. Um, I don't know his Jacob. name. Off the top. It's Jacob Toretto. Jacob, Jacob Toretto, 
the long lost brother of both him and Mia. With his distinctive chin and Nordic bloodline. And Nordic bloodline. You know, this was actually my- What the fuck? (laughs) This is the moment that I realized, I didn't realize that Vin Diesel wasn't fully white. Did not know that. This is your moment? This is it. Didn't know that. Um, So I was confused when they had a very distinctly uh, Latino looking version of him in the past, or maybe maybe not maybe Filipino, maybe not Latino, but I tend, you know, I feel like there's a lot of crossover there in in the way you know we look, and um, so it was very non-white version, I will say, of of young version of Vin Diesel in this movie, and so I was really surprised, I was really confused, and uh, I'm glad that they addressed it somewhat. By, really, it was. With I that mean, awkward. It, it makes it. Oh, are you saying that the rest of the movie isn't awkward? Is that what you're implying? All right. Well, this was this was. I thought that the climax was awkward. I thought everything about this movie was awkward. I will say it was. I'm just gonna get right into this. It's a step above Hobbs and Shaw. Unquestionably, but not much. But not much. But I mean, unquestionably. But like, it's not good. Um, But it is a reminder. It is a reminder to me of. It's a problem that I have with even the Mission Impossible series, where I've seen all of these movies more than once. And yet the plots are so nonsensical or hard to follow that I feel like I haven't watched any of them. (laughs) So I have no idea what the fuck was happening in this movie most of the time. Really? Yeah. That's weird. Like, like, okay, first, did they kill Mr. Nobody? Okay, let me try this again. Okay, well, here's, before we use, we're going to use Game of Thrones rules. You didn't see a body. He's not dead. Okay, because it's like, they, they, it starts off with him that the distress signal is the first thing that kicks. It's the inciting incident of the story and sends them off on their merry ways. And uh, however, it's, it's kind of the last thing we see of Mr. Nobody that isn't a flashback. And it made me wonder where the fuck is this guy? Is he, did he just die off screen? But you know, maybe not. But as you said, we didn't see a body there. But anyways, that's the thing that kicks it off and sends them on their way to some, to stop some weird device with two halves that Aries. somehow if activated so makes the world dangerous and shit more dangerous okay and it's the Aries they... device it's split into two halves okay you're so invested in this aren't you James? obviously i just i just i feel like i remember it it's really obviously. weird you know, it's I'm funny as we're was, talking about this. all over the place. So as you're talking about this, you're like, this device. I'm like, yeah, rabbit's foot. It's a rabbit's foot. Also Mission Impossible. Yeah, I don't, I don't follow thrillers very well. Or action um, things. So if we're doing Twitter reviews, it didn't sound like we are, but I'm going to do mine. Well, let's do Twitter um, reviews. So Jonesy, Jonesy, actually, I'll get to you last. First, I'll start with Danny. Danny, yeah. as someone, what is your relationship to... The Fast franchise, first of all. What is what is your exposure and relationship to this franchise? If The Rock's not in it, I'd really not bothered. But have you watched any of the ones without The Rock? Yes. Or did you jump all on in Fast Five? I've seen, seen all, all of them. them now. I've seen all of okay. them. And I and, and as far as I know, Hobbs and Shaw scored a, a higher Rotten Tomatoes score than this one. Ew. Someone, have, someone I, I think, Jamie, you're the one that's on the screen. You might be able to look that up. But I yeah, think as that. it stands... Um, so Twitter review for this one for me would be the same old nonsense, the same old bullshit and the same old rubbish Vin Diesel. Wow. Yeah. 
That sounds about right. Uh, so for me, my mine will be, uh, this was certainly something that was shot and edited together for <laughs> to make up two and a half hours. Like it was entertaining <laughs> for about a third of it. Um, most of the scenes involved either Tej or or uh, or what the fuck is the other guy's name? I only know his real name. The hell's his name? What's the character's name? The clown guy, the the Big class clown guy. Thing. No, what? No. Um, That's what the rock calls him in the, the previous one. Right, right. What the hell's his name? Oh, Roman. Are you talking about Roman? Roman. Yeah, Roman. Yeah. Yeah. Him and him and Tej or Tej, whatever the hell's name is, are the only good parts of this movie franchise so far. Actually, the other the girl too is actually pretty funny. Han? I don't give a fuck about Han. Me neither. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, as for, as right now, and then the, the girl, she, she had some great moments too, where she had to drive the car through Edinburgh. That was good. I liked that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, it's like, it's I wish fine. they hadn't spoiled that in the trailer. I didn't know she was driving in the trailer. I don't remember the trailer seeing her drive. So it was in the trailer. Surprise. She says, it's not a I good time. To... To drive. Yeah, yeah. It's not oh. a good time to tell you this. I can't drive. Yeah, that's funny. I just that like she's like, been. nope, that's not what I contribute to this group. I was like, I like the way you phrase that. That was funny. <laughs> Everybody's got roles. She knows her role. Uh, so Danny, you are correct. Uh, Fifty nine eighty four for F nine, and then sixty seven eighty eight for Hobbs and Shaw. Gross. I, I, have, I have my I have my views on that, and I'll, I'll add that after you've done your Twitter review and we, we get deeper into it, why I prefer when the rock's in it. But, but Jonesy, you want to do your Twitter review on this? I think clearly you're more of a fan than Jammer and I. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's your Twitter review? I really enjoyed it, but the climax was too much, and I had to send my brain out of the room during that whole sequence it's like hey you you go fuck off for a minute i'm gonna watch this i'll tell you <laughs> like there's a moment in during the climax where tej says to romans words to the effect of like numbers and math don't lie as long as we obey the physics it will be fine and i'm just like what the <laughs> fuck? are you fucking kidding me right now that's that's what you're gonna say right now it was almost a scene out of Tenet where the where the scientist is saying to the protagonist, like, hey, you know, just don't think about it too hard. Like, I, I don't understand why any any of you are saying the things that you're saying right now. Um, but yeah. That, I appreciate the whole, that. That I went exactly to one more point on that one. Man, go on. Okay, I don't understand how you could sit here being like, oh, Going to space just mixed with my grounded mythology of the fast saga. What are you talking Me? about, Jonesy? Yeah, you. You look Me? like you didn't like that part. They were in space. Fuck no, off. No, no, this whole no. movie's ridiculous. This whole I franchise mean, is no, ridiculous. No, no. I mean, <laughs> oh, like, I don't mean it just for that moment. I mean, he. it feels like he's lampooning like the entire sequence that they're encompassing. Like, all of the climax of this movie is like, as long as you obey the laws of physics, we'll be fine. And I'm like, you clearly don't know what's happening on the ground. Uh, I can't believe you're saying that given what's happening right now. Or I can't believe you're saying that given what you saw on the fucking island with the car swinging across from one island to another. Hey, hey, where in that did physics not work? 
Fez physics have always worked. You can't help but obey the laws of physics. Man. I think, okay. you know, I like how much that bothered you as if we're supposed to take that line seriously. It's not that it <laughs> bothers me. It's just, it's funny and it's ironic. It's like in my head, I'm thinking of 300, right? You remember in 300 when Leonidas <laughs> kicks the dude down the well, he's like, this is Sparta. Like in my head, I envision like that's physics and gravity. And Leonidas is fast and furious. And he's like, this is fast and furious and just kicks him off into the oubliette. Like that's what, what happens. What? what did you say? What does any of that what? mean what you're talking about? What? <laughs> so you've seen 300, right? Yes. You know the famous scene where he kicks him down? Yes, the I know hole the scene. Like, I don't understand Sparta. the connection, though. That dude that gets kicked down the hole, that's physics and gravity. Leonidas is fast and furious. And he's like, hey, listen, this is fast and furious. He just kicks oh. that fucker down the hole. So physics is like, this is madness. He's like, this is fast. This nine. is madness. Fast this is fast. fast nine. Okay. I love yeah, how I you just get keep trying to like, get that back. This is fast. Talk. No, F9. <laughs> um so you know it's funny i will say by the way i don't care about spoilers because this fucking movie doesn't who cares uh so i did not realize until the very 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 end that the group of characters that were built the rocket were from tokyo drift Drift. yeah did not recognize them i mean it doesn't mean anything to me i mean like i i saw that movie when it came out uh, when it came out not in theaters, but I saw it when it came out. I, I rented it from Blockbuster back in the day, and uh, I hated it. I thought it was really? terrible. It was I the love, worst. I love Tokyo Drift. Fucking awful. Wait, uh, so was Tokyo Drift worse than Too Fast, Too Furious? Yes. Yeah. Wow. You guys are interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was so bad, they had to reboot the franchise afterwards. No. Fast yes. and, no, Too Fast, Too Furious was so bad that they had to reboot the franchise, and then they had to I reboot mean, it again. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Right? But I thought I thought they had to do that because Paul Walker and and freaking Vin Diesel were too high profile for the third film. No, that's what I feel so, like it was. No, 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 because Vin Diesel You're, is in the third film. I mean, kind Bam. of. That, he's in it. So here's here's how I feel about that. The second one was so bad, so Vin Diesel's like, I'm not going to do the second one. Second one is so bad, they're like, hey fuck all of you. We're not going to make this next movie with any of you. And then Vin Diesel shows up for a cameo at the end. And then that still follows on in the fourth one. Like that, that continues. So, you know, I don't know that I think that three is so bad that they didn't completely salvage the rest of the series, which they did. Two is the bad one. I disagree. I like two. I thought two was fun. You might like it, but it's still the bad one. That's no, no, I think it's question. better. I think it's better than the third one, like by far. Mm-hmm. Which is why they had to reboot the whole series. No, I just. <laughs> what do you mean you shake it? Uh-huh. No, I said the exact opposite of what you said. I, think I, I know, I'm saying that's why I had to reboot the whole series. It was so good. They had to reboot everything. New cast, new, new country, new hemisphere. It's true. <laughs> I mean, but they also wanted to bank in on, on like the drifting scene. So, I mean, changing it up was, it made sense in that sense. Sure. Had nothing to do with the fact that Too Fast, Too Furious wasn't good and didn't do well at the box office. But did it not do well in the box office? Is this a fact, or are you just talking out of your your freaking anus? Um, let's see. A little, little bit of both. Little little bit of column okay. A, a little bit of column B. Fast Too Furious <laughs> box office. So this movie, I would be surprised if it cost. Oh, this movie was successful as ball sacks. What are you talking about? I do. 
it did really well. I mean, it cost 76 million to make and okay. it made 235 million. That's a success. Okay. That made money. That's totally fine. The first one made 159 million dollars on a budget of what? 35 million? 85 million. Holy shit. That's, that's not right. Million. Nope, that's not right. No, no, sorry. That's that's Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Let me go back to the first one. What the fuck is that? There it is. Uh, so it made $207 million off of a $38 million budget. So, I mean, it was more successful when you look at your oh. numbers, but it wasn't like that much worse. Like I can't believe better. how close I was to that actual number. I said 35. I said 35. Yeah. And it's $38 million. Yeah. Shocked. Shocked. I remember very specific memories of seeing the trailer for that movie when it first came out. And like, I don't remember what movie I was in, but I remember seeing it. I was like, oh, this movie looks so bad. This movie looks so boring. The Fast and the Furious. I didn't bother seeing it until after it came out on freaking VHS or whatever, maybe DVD. I don't remember uh, at the time. And even then, I was just like, it's okay. It's fine. Um, I like the second one much more. I watched that one a lot. This third one, yeah. Uh, fourth one, fourth one was pretty good. Fifth one was, oh my God, can it be this good? Sixth one was just like, eh. The seventh one, it was just like, oh, I'm sad like Paul six. Walker's gone. And then six or eight was just like, eight was pretty good. I liked eight quite a bit, actually. It was good. I thought it was fun. Uh, and then you know nine. What's bad? <clears throat> you know what's bad? As you went through those movies, <laughs> you have said a better like to dislike ratio than you said for the same number of Star Wars movies. You like the Fast those- Saga better I like, like in terms of like no 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 here's Star the thing Wars. i'm like sure i'll watch them and i enjoyed them but i definitely enjoy one set of movies more than the other sure but i'm put, just put any put put any star wars movie that i like alongside any fast and furious movie i like easily way way higher in terms of quality there's Isn't no fast weird? movie that's better than any one good star wars movie any 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 non prequel owns it's sad that disney owns star wars now because i could have seen a future where tnt would have done like a star wars fast saga weekend and i just would not have left the house oh gotcha yeah that'd be good yeah yeah that would i be mean good. you could also just do that yourself because you could stream no, things I'm lazy. Fucking I'm adults. Lazy. there's that i like it i like it better when somebody does it for me like you're like, you know, just when TNT's it. like just... TNT's like we know drama, and then they're like, "Here's the thing, here's the thing." I just, I just love Brandon. He's like, "Break my ankles and put me in front of a TV and just throw things at my face, and if <laughs> yeah. I, that's how I'll watch it." Sprinkle in some Shawshank Redemption. Here we go, baby. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> basically, F nine. It had some fun moments. It was better than Hobbs and Shaw by a good amount, God. but. It was still not really uh, anything I would ever recommend, um, unless you like this franchise. I think, like, I don't understand what Jacob was trying to accomplish. He didn't want to live in his brother's shadow. Okay, so let me. So here's here's what I think I understood about him as a character. And this is coming from someone that I'm not asking. I'm not, not. I'm like, not asking for his their broad picture. What did he try to accomplish by getting those two domes and the key girl, and and doing the mission? What was his goal? He was going to give it to Otto. I don't think he cared about it. 
I think it why was, was really why was he going to do that to Otto? Because Otto was the son of a dictator, and Otto what was he getting out of it? Like just the accomplishment of having done it. Like I think that he just liked the thrill, the same way that Vin Diesel likes driving fast. You're like, what does Vin Diesel get out of living a quarter mile at a time? Not a fucking thing. It's the thrill. They're the same family. He they should have gotten enjoys- that point across better. I just told you. No, you told me. You telling me isn't the same as the movie getting the point across. I don't think so. He's like this spy game. This is my world. No, like I got the impression from him that a he didn't like being in his brother's shadow. So like, like let's set it up like this. So for me, as someone who's really into this franchise, I really enjoyed the flashback because one of the big questions coming into this movie was how are they going to fucking nine movies into this franchise introduce a brother that has never been spoken of, has never been seen, never been hinted at, and I think they've done it better than a lot of movies that have struggled with the same issue and i thought it made sense and from a character perspective i understood why jacob didn't come back i understood why he was run off and so this these are the flashbacks that we got and again this is something that i enjoyed about this in the beginning we knew this about vin diesel from the very beginning and the series held off on showing it to you because they didn't really have to but they showed you this scene so that you could understand who Jacob and Vin Diesel were as I'm saying uh, Dominic Toretto were as kids and what set them on the path that they were on. And I really like that. I can agree with that. I think the flashbacks were probably the strongest part of the movie. Um, I agree. And I also like how they 35 millimeterized them almost where they, they got the mm. film grain going on. I thought that was a cool creative choice. Like they started off with the old universal logo that made me do like a, a quadruple take as I was watching it. I'd be like, that's an old logo. What's up with that? And then it was started off in like the eighties. The uh, so I thought that was cool. I think it was relatively, it worked. I wouldn't say it was the most emotional thing ever, but I mean, it, it accomplished what it needed to. And it did sort of recontextualize things effectively in terms of how you perceived Jacob as a character. But at the same time, I'm like, but you're still just doing bad things. And then when he dis- when he was betrayed, it's all of a sudden he's a good guy. But like, but you were still going to do the bad thing. What's changed other than the fact that you've been betrayed? Nothing. But couldn't you say that about I don't... any of the heels in this franchise? So you've got Jason Statham and then his brother. Um, that's everybody. That's that's the Rock, right? Every bad character in this franchise has done that. Sometimes within the same movie. I guess. I don't know. I guess there was just, it was unclear to me what his goal was and how, why he was able to switch sides just so easily. And it was like no big deal. And they just helped him. I don't know. It was, it was weird. It felt unearned. I, I I can see what you're saying. Um, But the, what I saw in this movie were like little moments of them seeding it. Right. So his father's telling him, it's not about who's the strong. It's, it's about who's the bigger man. Michael Rooker, oddly strong or oddly small role for Yandu, but yeah. he's saying to him, um, you know, this isn't going to go well. Like, don't do this. Don't. And so this whole time, Vin Diesel is being told like, hey, this isn't the right way to go about this. And by the time you get to the end of the movie, you understood why Jacob did what he did. He's not doing the bad thing because he's a bad person. He's doing the bad thing because his brother shunned him. And I really liked that one, he didn't actually 
intend to kill his father. He was doing what a good son would. He did what his father told him to do. And Vin Diesel's point of view was, you should have come to me like a brother. And he's like, my father made me promise not to tell you. And I love that tension. And it felt real because for Vin Diesel and Dominic Toretto, family's supposed to be everything. And while you would want them to talk this out, you could also understand why one son would strictly do what his father told him to do. And I just, I, I felt that emotionally and I totally got it. And then for young Dominic Toretto to say to Jacob, hey, you need to get the fuck out of here. And for him not to even try to understand what happened. He just gave an ultimatum. I could understand why everyone kept saying to Dominic Toretto, like, hey, that that just turns into hate. And I, again, understood it based on all of these little conversations that if Vin Diesel, or I keep wanting to call Dominic Toretto Vin Diesel. If Dominic Toretto, if you understood that he should have come to you as a brother, you as a brother should have said, why did you do what you did? as opposed to saying, get the fuck out of here. I don't like that you're making this movie sound good, but it, it, <laughs> audience, don't be tricked. Don't be tricked by this. It's not it that good was, of a movie. It was seated. You like, make it sound me, good. As an audience member, it was seated very, very well. Like, that's why I really love the flashbacks. Like you said, it recontextualized everything. And where I think that it would have, in a, it's crazy to me, that you look at, so I talked about Star Wars. It's hard to see how Anakin Skywalker, especially if you watch the Clone Wars, goes from that character to Darth Vader that quickly. But within one movie, they do a good job of showing you like, this is who these people were. This is how they grew up. This is the moment where their love turned into hate. And here's the part where Dominic Toretto fucked up. And he didn't come back and try and help out his brother. And you could see Mia kind of like in between because she wasn't there for this. And I love that she was the go-between. And I feel like she was really the one that, so like, I get what you're saying. Like it, it seemed like it was unearned. She was always the one saying like, I tried to find him. I wanted to help him. All like all this sort of stuff. Um, and it was stuff like that that helped Dominic Toretto understand what he did wrong. I mean, I think you're right about most of what you said, like as far as what <laughs> the strengths of it. But unlike how Jacob was lost in Dominic Toretto's shadow, the ridiculous and stupid stupidity of this movie overshadowed those relatively good character things. Yeah. Um, the movie was just so unfocused and random. I have no idea where okay. why Cardi B came in and saved them no motivation given just showed up i only found out after the fact who that was i was like oh this girl just wanted a cameo she was like i love fast and furious yeah. give me a cameo and they're just like okay so there you go new cameo there there's just so much just nonsense just just yeah. what the fuckery it was it I... no sense whatsoever the action was fine but it wasn't most of it wasn't really grounded in anything no i don't and think it, i, just, I don't I think it has been since and freaking Either five or six, I think would be the moment where you were like, none of this is based in reality anymore. 
Um, and just like the melodrama. I actually think that this is the first one where the action is the weakest part. Yeah. And I think that's why I, was, I like it the most yeah. because it's it's just it just it's borderline cartoonery, tomfoolery, wily e coyote. I mean, it was going. like that the past two movies too. No, this is at least for me it's worse. Like the moment so seven that jump onto the hook. The jump onto the hook was absolute ridiculous. And then when the car flipped five times and neither of them were wearing a seatbelt and they both just looked at each other and said, Well, that was new. Fuck off. That you well, that's because killed. that's because seatbelts even kill. At the beginning, where Roman Roman gets blown up. Roman gets blown up, flipped over, he's hanging down in the car, he falls out of the car, misses the mine car looks like it falls on him and then tez is like how are you not dead and in my head actually i wrote down a note i was like roman is wily coyote yeah like he I, I no kidding wrote that and i was just like yeah i agree with you 100 daniel like we have gotten to the point of cartoonishness but i think we've been there ever since seven seven for sure yeah it's yeah. a cartoon like the part where Vin Diesel can stomp his foot and bring down a uh, parking, parking garage, garage. <laughs> yeah. we're just done. Like we're all done, and you yeah. just have to accept it for what it is. And I, I think that that's okay as long as the action is good. And in this, I think the action was like it was just okay. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh... Wiley Coyote thing I think is apt, but I also enjoyed the fact that his whole arc revolved around him being like, I really should be dead. Like he was basically like Jules from Pulp Fiction, being like looking behind him, seeing the bullet holes and like the things like I like I remember thinking that too. I'm like, why is it's like Roman's being a badass? He's like spinning around and shooting these guys and actually killing them. And I was like, what? Like when did he become like that guy? This is the bit. This this is the bit, Jam. I got he became Rambo. I enjoyed. Every character in this, and this is why Tej and Roman were my best, because it's almost as if everybody in this movie knows they're in a cartoon, popcorn, nonsense movie, and they're enjoying it, and they're lapping it up, and even the script had them saying, how are we not dead? This is this is crazy. How are none of us not there? And I'm like, yes, they're in on it. They know what they're doing. They're, they're in this movie. They know it's nonsense. But here's where it loses me, Jonesy. It's when Dominic Toretto's in it or Vin Diesel's portrayal of him, where he seems to think he's in some Oscar-worthy film and he has to put this intense gravitas and seriousness into it. And it's all about serious. And no, you can't, dude. You've just jumped onto a hook and flipped the car 17 times. You can't ground it in reality. And then he grabs those two chains and pulls them and pulls tons. That whole scene, that whole scene is He Samson's it. He Samson's. He turns into Samson. It's bullshit. That's exactly it's what that not, was. It's not serious. He's at every muscle is tense. He does this, and that's not serious. Tej and Roman are taking the piss out of the fact they're in fucking space, and the Twitch Snickers bars are floating around in front of them. They know they're in a nonsense film. Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto. It's like, no, this is serious. It's all grounded. This is serious stuff. Oh, you can't, dude. You've just taken. Here's me what out I don't of understand it. about the Samson scene. I don't understand what was happening during the Samson scene because Otto and Jacob had resolved like, hey, we're just going to fucking let you guys live. We're going to walk away. 
And yep. Dominic Torello's like, no, I'm going to murder all of you. And he wasn't <laughs> even chasing Jacob as far as I could tell. He was just like fucking up random dudes. I'm like, I, I don't understand the point of what's happening in this yep. scene. If Jacob had been in front of him, I yep. would have understood what was happening. But I didn't understand why he shut the door on Letty. I didn't understand why. Yeah, he was just raging on these dudes. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it made no sense because literally what it was is Otto says like, hey, don't move and everybody lives. And I was like, can we trust him? They got what they wanted. They all started (laughs) to file out. And then all of a sudden he goes ape shit. Like every, they've been, they've been trying to do. They've been non-lethal to them. They've been friendly to them the entire time. <laughs> and then yeah, out of left field, true. Vin Diesel starts cracking fucking dudes' backs and breaking <laughs> their necks. And just like, what the hell, man? Anger issues. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the cartoon. I've seen cartoons where it's been like a superhero uh, spinoff, or not a spinoff, but like a send up of superheroes. And one superhero is like doesn't get the message. He's going ape shit on the henchman, and the henchman. Oh, I think he's like Venture Brothers, and they're like, "What are you doing? This isn't how this works. You're killing people." This, Brock Samson, stop! He's Brock Samson murdering the henchman, and the henchman are like, "No, no, no, no! That's not how this game gets played." Um, yeah, I don't understand that scene at all. And I was really that's hoping that they killed out. him. That's why it's my least in that scene. Is- I was just like, "Oh, they're gonna do it." We're gonna do it, and then he landed in water. I was like, "Oh, damn it, damn it!" Because yeah, I, I agree I with, still... with Danny though. As far as I feel like Vin Diesel, uh, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Jordana Brewster, I feel like they think they're in like a serious movie, and then you got the other three. You have Tyrese. You have. Uh, the ludicrous and you have the girl from game of thrones who realize they're in a goofy movie and they're like in different movies and but i like them in the movie and i yep. all the stuff that's the serious shit i don't like yep. i'm like Which the is- two guys building the rocket ship from tokyo drift they were great fun they, they knew yeah. they were in yep yeah and it's funny as you describe like them being in a different movie because when ben diesel jumps into the the truck with them and he's just like what the fuck He's like, all right, fine, let's go. Like, you could feel like he's in their world of goofiness um, after running and chasing Jacob across the rooftops. So, but who framed Roger Rabbit? But he's the Bob Hoskins just landed in the cartoon yeah. world, landed in Toonville. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I will say, you guys, hmm. well, I have to say this the one thing this movie did well, Han's introduction, his reintroduction. Thank you. The way they, the way, the way they shot, the way they, they showed him, they, they, they do the sniper situation and then the, the lighting was flickering and he stood up with the music going and the lighting, you could see him, but it was still like a tease. Really well done. Yeah. That being said, he was a non-character for the rest of the movie. Um, I'm curious if that's not a tease for what's to come. I think they I felt like they had to resolve Sorry, Jonesy, based on the end credits, because that, that was the tease yes. of it, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there was an end credits? I did not stick around, because I did not care. Oh, Jammer. Oh, <laughs> Every single one of these since... Don't care. Five. Did not care. Did not care. I knew, I was like, I know there's a post credit scene, I don't care. Get me out of here. That's how I felt. <laughs> That's literally so, how I felt. Um, I. So what did you think of their explanation for how he it survived? It was dog shit. Terrible. There was it was a non-explanation. It was like, how did you survive that? Oh, Mr. Nobody. But how? 
ah, Mr. Nobody. That's it. That was their explanation. Smoke and magic. <laughs> smoke and magic. Smoke and mirrors. That's what it was. It was magical yeah. smoke and mirrors. That's what it was I like took those, away from that. It was the thing that, uh, that, that, what's her name? That, um, oh my God, what the hell's her name? <sighs> Misery. Kathy Bates in Misery, where she mm-hmm. complained about, do you remember that monologue she had watching the old serials where a guy in a car goes off a cliff and then the yeah. next week she comes back wondering how he survived and then she sees that, oh, we saw a different shot where he jumped out before. And she's like, no, that wasn't what we saw before. You lied to me. You made it up and it makes no sense. Yeah. That's not what we saw last week. That's exactly how I felt watching this. So this was as close to Benedict Cumberbatch and Sherlock dying as we got right like there's just no explanation for how he lived and what i think i got from it was that mr nobody used technology to make it look like he was still in the car that's as close as an explanation to it as i could understand i uh, don't care like i saw i was just like of course that's their answer like i thought like literally when i thought okay he's coming back how did he survive it was just made to look like that he died we're not going to dig into the how it's just that's what happened so accept it uh even though it makes no sense so then the other problem with that is and maybe this only matters because they have turned jason statham into a headlining good guy giselle is still dead but she is more dead uh, from the direct actions of jason statham's brother who's not a headlining star right like he's not people don't love him and want him to to be as part of the the fast family luke evans yeah so i think that that is how they get away with bringing back han and not giselle and people not feeling as upset sure (laughs) (laughs) i'm so i'm so not invested in the mythology in this series anymore like oh man i'm so into it the thing is i loved eight I watched it. I think I gave it like an A plus when I reviewed it. Cause I was just like, that was fucking stupid, fun, had a great time. This one, I was bored half of it. The other half, I was just like, eh, this is stupid. And then the other half, I was just like, the action's like, okay, I guess, but like nothing to write home about. And it just didn't, it didn't feel right. What was the one in Brazil? What was the one in Brazil where they went, what was the episode of the number five? That was that one, the first one with the rock. Yeah. I just yeah. remember going down this yeah. hill in the in the in the Humvees, crashing through loads of houses with lots of potential um, mass deaths. Both just plowing down the side of a shanty town mm-hmm. in Brazil, the one where they stole the saves and they were dragging them. Yeah. That no, one, that, that was that was that was, that was eight. No, it's five. The safe was five. No, five. Okay, I'm getting yeah. I'm getting mixed this, up. That was my favorite, I think. That one and the one. That oh I yeah, I was thinking good. I was thinking of the swinging. Pendulums is what I was thinking about. That was eight. Oh, yeah, that's eight. Um, yeah, I, there was one more thing that I did not. Can like magnets actually it. repel? Um, not without. So I don't know how they work. I guess if you, I think you have to charge them electrically to do something. Um, because the opposite side of a magnet can't. So I don't know if that's a matter of turning the electricity the electrical current one way versus another um but i know if you flip a magnet around it will mm. so maybe reversing the electrical but i mean it will it will repel another it the same it'll repel another magnet not necessarily a piece of metal um 
no that's that's not true i don't know i'm not i'm not I, i'm no tej i don't know anything about physics so <laughs> i math. can't really speak um there was one more thing i, I can't remember what i didn't like about the movie um but generally speaking, I like. I think my biggest problem with the movie was that the the action was not as good, not as strong, which was kind of surprising. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think their problem is that they've gone bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and they haven't figured out a way to go that big and make the stakes something less than we've got to save the world, because that's what yeah. it's been every time. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I did like the line from Otto, though. He's like, oh, did no one tell you the world is ruled by rich, spoiled brats? I thought that was good. I liked him. Um, I also think, I liked him, too. I also think uh, this is the movie that gave the female leads the most to do, which was a a good thing. And, um, yeah, I think they did a lot of great stuff. And it was like, it was interesting because I I recently (laughs) dipped my toe back into the old ones. And it's funny how, like, how much they lean into the sort of the sexualization of the female characters versus now where they're all wearing practical outfits and there's no like male gaze type shots at all in this movie. Yeah. It was just an interesting contrast kind of really well, you shows remember, in a single franchise, how far it goes. There was a time where we thought Michelle Rodriguez was like, I'm out because you're yeah. not doing the right thing. And yeah. it seems like that has resulted in what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a positive thing. I just wish she was in a better movie. um i what was it crap oh one of the things i didn't like about this movie was there was i felt like uh charlie's throne was i don't know not necessarily poorly used but the scene where she's having that back and forth with otto about star wars Mm -hmm. i'm like what the fuck like the hannibal lecter-esque-ness of it i liked but i also thought that it was weird like this whole back and forth with Otto. Maybe that was the only one about Star Wars where I'm like, this is this is going on for too long. Um, where he's like, I'm Han Solo. Well, no, you're really Yoda. And he's like, well, I'm Luke Skywalker. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, you've gone through three different characters of who you yeah. could be. And that was just too much. So I like I like the idea that he thought himself as a good guy. I thought that was kind of cool, but then that we never followed up with him actually doing anything. Like for a second, I was like, "Ooh, this is interesting. They're going to make us sympathize with them," but no, they didn't. He just betrayed them, no. so that was kind of unfortunate. But um, one thing I thought was funny is Kirsten was like, "Charlize Theron looks like my twelve-year-old brother with that haircut, or it looks like my brother yeah. is a twelve-year-old with that haircut." It's a that terrible haircut. I mean, but it was weird because in the last one she had the dreadlocks. So it was like I don't like anything and maybe they're just trying to find what they're Cyprus making bold choices like. bold choices Man. with her ensemble and her hair and stuff like she was wearing I mean, leather pants throughout that whole movie too i mean given your ethos i feel like that should be a reason why you like it right like swing for the fences even if you miss like that's your thing right i mean i didn't say anything bad about her i just said what kirsten said so sure um, it was uh it was definitely a choice i the last thing i'll say is i think that the other emotional stuff that they did, they did well. So like when Ludacris saw Han mm. for the first time and hugged him, like I felt that. Or when Sean sees Han and they hug, I'm like, ah, like I feel this. Um, and I'm, and even as I'm describing this, I know this isn't the last thing I'm going to say. 
But I thought that those moments were done really well. They did a good job. Even though you say that Han was a non-character, and to some extent, he like they just brought him back and then rolled him back into the family like he never left. But yeah. whenever he had those moments with Tej and Roman and Sean, and then Jason Statham at the end, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is all good stuff. I like this. Um, and before I forget, the last thing I'm, I'm going to say is, how long are they going to do the Paul Walker's not dead thing? Till because the end of the series. At, at this point, yeah. it is awkward. You're no, I don't think it's that bad. I, you just can't, you can't kill him off at this point. Like you can't. There's no it's way just, you could be like, oh, he it's died. Just weird. No, it's just it's, weird. I like the fact oh. that they've been doing that. I think it's oh. it's awkward, but like it's fine. There's an empty table. Oh, he's coming. Okay. And then the sky. It's like it's up. like. So the kids aren't coming? No, we're just gonna. Oh, I forgot that bit. The car's at the end, doesn't it? I actually forgot yeah. that bit. I was thinking about oh, he's he's staying to look after the kids. That was the throwaway line. No, the kid was there. No, yeah, the somehow, kid, he was there. Yeah, somehow little Brian made it to the house without his uncle bringing him there. So maybe yeah. like that's the part that makes it weird. Where Wait, yeah. if you were watching Brian, what do you Wait, mean his uncle? Oh, Brian was, was uncle. Brian watching little Brian? Yeah. yeah, that's what. Yeah, right. that's, that's what. What were you doing during this movie? Couldn't be in Dude. a safer place. I think the line did... was or something like that. Yeah, they said no, he's I in thought the they were talking about. Possible. I thought they were talking about their kids. Yeah, like Mia and 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 Paul Paul Walker's kids. I, we're yeah, talking he, about. Vin he's Diesel's Mr. Kid. Mom. He's Mr. Mom. Yeah, but... All of the children with Big Brian. Okay. Because apparently, other Brian is Little Brian now. Okay. Again, you know what? You could have obviated this by calling him Paul. <laughs> or brian no Big don't call i don't it. know man don't don't get up my back about this fucking logic in this movie because this movie makes no sense who cares why would you like, name your child after your still living brother-in-law i would never you don't do have that. to die that's weird that's not a lot of people do that do they yeah i would still think that it was weird i mean sure but you know no one cares about what you think <laughs> you don't like especially like it's it's especially weird like so maybe it does happen in real life but i feel like it's especially weird in this situation where it is because this person is dead that you chose to do it to begin with but you named him after the character and not the real person that died like okay yeah i mean it would have been near weirder if you named it paul why because it's too meta okay agree to disagree so jamma would you recommend this movie? <laughs> Only to people who really want, who already want to see it. It's like, sure. There you go. I was going to say pretty much the same thing. If you're a fan of the franchises already up to number eight, then go ahead. If you're not. I would probably, if I were to rate this, I would probably give it a D plus. Wow. But once again, remember C is average. Slightly below no. average. No. Yeah. Because even though I did not, Think that the action was as good as the last few movies i thought that the emotional through lines were just as good if not better okay so what would you give it c plus b minus okay i could see that like as I, I think i would probably agree that a lot of fans of the franchise would probably rate it similarly as what you yeah. just did yeah. yeah i'd go i'd go flat c the, the the bits that they did well the emotional bits the flashbacks were really good but that was about it so i'd say an average 
especially compared to the other one entries in the franchise, I'd say it was an average entry to the previous eight films as well. It was too long. Yeah. I'm I'm very confused about the action. I don't understand why it was just okay. It was very hard to follow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. That's it. Anything else on uh, Fast 9, F9? Um, what do you think Fast 10 is going to be called? Fast, um, 10, Fast 10, your seatbelts. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Furious 10. No, you can't cool. do that. That's repeating. That's repeating wow. a something. You can't repeat a, a format because it was Furious 7. So it can't be Furious 10. But 5 was Fast 5. They're alternating. Name, name another Fast. So Fast 5. Um, Fast and Furious Six. What was what was six? Was it Fast and Furious? Fast and Fast and Furious Six. Then eight was Fate, Fate of the Furious. Furious. Yep. And this is Fast Nine. F Nine. I feel like they're going to go back to Furious. No, they can't. They have to. They have to have it make it be different. It will. It will either be Fast Ten or it will be Furious Ten. All right. So there's the there's the wrong answer. I think okay, fasten your seatbelts. Fasten your seatbelts is probably closer to what they're going to go for. Um, that is probably going to be the tagline, though, isn't it, Jammer? Let's be honest. It's going to be whatever we think it might be. Fast, furious. It'll whatever. be whatever they put in there to confuse Jammer. You'd be like, "See, that's the title." Fasten your seatbelts. I'd be like, "No, it's, it's fast ten. I guarantee <laughs> you. I guarantee you, the fast saga will not be present in any of the marketing. Oh. The fast saga will not be present. Yeah, it won't be called a saga anymore. Again, I yeah. don't know if I agree with that. I think that that's a thing now. I'll be very annoyed if the last two movies are the only ones that have the fast saga in their title. Is I will, ten the last one now. I mean, I think so. That's what they okay. said. Remember back when F Seven came out, and then Vin Diesel was like, "Oh, this is very sad. We're gonna have we only have a trilogy of films left." Um, okay. And everyone's just like, "Okay, calm down. It's you have three movies. That's like." too many movies already so in the next one they're going to go up against cypher and that will be the conclusion of the series yeah and if they know Who's if they're that? smart they'll they'll get they'll bring hobbs and shaw back into the fold for the last one and cancel well, any spin-off movies that they have if you'd stayed for the end of credits jammer you'd know that oh hobbs or shaw is is back i don't know which one oh, fucking oh <laughs> really which yeah. one yeah who's jason statham which one is he is he hobbs or shaw, shaw? He's, he's, sure. he's back. Really? What, what, how did he come back? Explain, describe to me the post-credits. Go. The thing you should have stayed right. to see? Post-credits scene, there is a hooded figure punching the shit out of a punching bag. And inside the punching bag, little be known to us, there is a character that I can only remember from a Mission Impossible film as uh, someone that Tom Cruise rescued from a prison. And he falls out of the bag and it's revealed that Jason Statham, in this case, it was Hobbs or Shaw, punching him because uh, uh, he had captured him for some reason. And then there's a knock on the door and Jason Statham playing Hobbs or Shaw goes open to the door, slides open the door and it's Han staring at him. And they're obviously in cahoots in some nefarious way of punching Russians. Is he? Bag. He looks like he was about to shit his shit no. the bed. No, he's been there in cahoots is how I see it. He looks scared scene. to me. So there you go, Jammer. Hobbs or Shaw. I mean, was I, I actually, 
And a little I think, he, I think he should be Hobbs and Shaw. He should be Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw and Han, I, I read into it, are, are aware of each other's um, existence still or, or not being dead. And that's how it closed. Camera go. looks confused. I just got a, I just got a phone call and I was like, what is that sound? Um, okay, <laughs> great. Yeah. I have yeah. nothing more to say. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. They're going to go up against uh cypher in the next movie and that will be. Who is that? Is but, that, is that, um, Charlize Theron's character? Yeah. Okay. See, even I'm forgetting names of these characters. Sorry. So she, she's going to be the main bad. Gotcha. Yeah. It doesn't help that yeah. none of them are actually characters. They're just plot devices, but okay. So that's like, whatever. Such a hater. Such a hater. <laughs> I actually I don't actually... hate this movie as much as it sounds. It's just really fun to shit on it. So <laughs> You gave it a D. A D is not good. D plus. It's not good. I mean, but I don't hate it. I'm so very confused. That's it. it. I'm done. You, 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 okay. All right. Anything else? A- anything else on, on these films? Nah, that's it. Nah. That's all she wrote. Nah. All right. And roading is half the battle. All right. So, dear listener, if you like what you heard, and how could you not? How could you not love it? Do all the socials. Like, rate, comment, subscribe, share. We would definitely appreciate it. Also, jump on the Discord. Let us know what you think about F9 or any of the other films in the Fast Saga, as well as any of the news stories that we covered today. So, yeah. Be a good time. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. Hasta lasagna. Don't get any on ya. Mission accomplished. Is that your Nick voice? Were you doing a Nick voice? Were you covering up your nose to... No, I was just... I I don't know. I'm just doing this for no reason, because I'm just keeping myself entertained. (laughs) Which is what the listener has been doing for an hour now. Slots asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.